How sweet it is. The Mets are so back, Figgy. It was the baby Mets. It was the vet Mets. It was all the Mets. In a sweep of the Guardians, the boys are hot. A five-game win streak. What a week in Flushing. Flushing, as Keith Rad would say, was on fire this week. Yeah, what a difference a week makes when you bring in the comeback kids, burst of youthful enthusiasm, everyone's playing the game the right way, having fun, and they are never out of a ball game. We'll get into some depth about how they're making all this happen. All the while, smiles everywhere. Smiles all around, including from our guests who played for both the Mets and the Cleveland baseball team. They had a different name when he was on the team. It's Rajay Davis will join us. He might have to hop in an expensive Uber to get to this interview on Zoom. <laughs> He'll join us on a packed edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you. Pretty well hit. Back goes Brennan near the wall. It's out of here. Starling Marte flip-flops the game. And he hits one out to right. Marte is there, and the ball game is over. Marte makes the final catch. It's his two-run homer that puts the Mets over the top, 5-4. to four. Swing on a high fly ball. Well hit left center. Straw on the run. Back near the wall. He jumps. He can't get it. It's a home run for Lindor. Swing on a fly ball to left, fairly deep, should get it done. Quan back, makes the catch. Here comes Marte. The throw will go to third after Marte scores on the sacrifice fly. Ramirez hits a ground ball to the shortstop hole. Lindor backhands to second one. McNeil to first. Put it in the box. The Mets sweep the day-night doubleheader from the Cleveland Guardians. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. We're back. So are the Mets. Five in a row for the orange and blue. We went from depressed to success, and we're feeling blessed. We're hyped You up. haven't taken your medication, have you? Wow, I'm writing haikus on Amazing <laughs> But True. It's Jake Brown, no medication. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa were medicated with drugs of victory. Mets victories. It's Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa. Joining us later in the show will be a guy who played for the Cleveland baseball team, formerly known as the Indians, now the Guardians, and played for the Mets. Rajay Davis will join us. He also now works with Major League Baseball and the Baseball Operations Department. So stay tuned for our interview with Rajay Davis. Well, Rajay had to watch our New York Mets, his final team, spank the team that he had a homer for in the World Series, the Cleveland team. 
And by spank, I mean three one-run wins. The Mets have tied a most random stat ever, franchise record for five straight one-run wins. They did it in 1984. They do it in 2023. Figgy, what a weekend of baseball as the Mets sweep. You heard it. I predicted it on your birthday. Happy belated birthday with Zoo on Thursday's podcast. I said sweep. The Mets sweep the Guardians and national TV. Justin Verlander dominates, and the Mets go on a five-game win streak. They take Monday off, and then they head to the Windy City, and the vibes are back on, and the Mets are back. The 2023 Mets tell us 2022 wasn't a joke. We're the real deal. We sweep the Guardians. We sweep Jimenez, Rosario, and the old friends in Queens. Let's go, Mets. You just felt the vibes turn, and it started with that miracle on Wednesday, the walk-off Pete Alonzo homer, the three-homer game from, you know, Vientos, from Alvarez, from Alonzo. And then it went into the weekend in a Friday's miraculous walk-off game into a Sunday doubleheader of two one-run tight wins that they had to win late in the game in the eighth inning. Just a really good, not only just Mets week of baseball, just a good week of baseball games, like no blowouts, one-run games, a fun week at the ballpark for the Metsies. Yeah, watching the Mets, uh, how things have shifted. And we talked about, yes, we needed a spark, and we did that on our podcast. And the spark was Mark Vientos getting called up. And, you know, when you start out and it didn't, it didn't happen right away, you know, you're thinking, oh, here we go again. Same old Mets are losing right off the beginning of the game. And they're down to look at the And bam, Vientos gets them right back into it with a home run. And then bam, Alvarez hits that home run to tie it. And there's so many underlying storylines. And that would have all been for naught, right? Because they go, go right the next inning and give up two runs. And you think, oh, man, it was so close. And, you know, there's no way they come back from this. Oh, by the way, we still have Pete Alonzo. And then Pete Alonzo steps up and does the unthinkable by hitting that home run and almost tearing City Field down. The crowd goes wild and it's all of a sudden, who are these guys? And it started before that when you think about what happened with how they were playing and then Tampa Bay Rays are the best team in baseball. They wind up beating those two. Then they go and they sweep the Guardians. So they're not playing against bad teams. You know, you talk about the level of your competition, all those great cliches. What I'm seeing is uh, this just a shift in that energy in that clubhouse and the dugout in the, in the the fans even, you know, you're, you're now you're almost not expecting, you know, home runs, but you're not, you're expecting better at bats in the big moments. And that's what you've been getting. The bullpen has not been great, which is unfortunate, during these times, you know, the bullpen has not been great. There's been reasons why the hitters have had to come through because the bullpen keeps giving up these runs late in the ball game, And that's not what you need at this point because they're playing much better baseball. But all's well that ends well. And to win five one-run games, as you said, in a row, that's a huge thing because it gives you that element of we're never down, we're never out, no matter how big they're down in these games. They're one swing away from, okay, it went from 5 nothing to 5-1. Oh, well, maybe we do have a chance. And then all of a sudden, it's another hit, another run. And they're starting to put them together in bunches. The at-bats are getting better. The the defense, I don't think we speak about enough about the defense. That ninth inning of defense that, you know, Robertson's throwing and you're getting a hard ground ball after hard ground ball being hit and some great defensive plays being made. 
that is the kind of stuff that just continues to pump you up, you know, as a fan, but as a player, you're sitting there going, man, these guys are laying out for everything. These guys are giving their all because they want to win. And I think that's what we wanted. That's all we wanted this whole time was that they were stuck in a rut. Everything was so lethargic. Everything was so like, oh my God, they're just going through the, the motions. And now you don't say that so much anymore. You're watching these guys play some inspired baseball. Well, Lindor was a hero over the weekend against his former team. I mean, what a job by him. You you know, we'll start with Friday, the walk-off Friday. Sunday is the homer. I mean, Lindor needs to pretend every game is Sunday night baseball. I mean, we saw him with the uh, three-homer game against the Yankees. You know, that, went, that was last year, right? Was that last September, I believe? Or was the year before that, I think? 2021, maybe, where he had the three-homer game in Sunday night baseball. And Sunday night baseball, you basically got to go. And I said, you should have went just to avoid the broadcast. I mean, I heard in the eighth inning of a 1-1 game, they were doing a pre-recorded interview with Max Scherzer. That's the second time they've used up like an hour talking about shares. At first, it was the sticky stuff for, you know, multiple hours. And now an interview during a tie game. And luckily, they get the small ball. They get the sack fly. And Brooks rarely closes. Let's start with Friday. Let's go in order here because all three games are very much worthy of being talked about. But Friday was, you know, you thought Wednesday you were on a high. Friday, one, it was a tremendous crowd. Place was packed, 35,000 Friday. I mean, this game was 5 nothing. As I'm having a beat, you know, a, a vodka soda splash of crayon with Danny and Delta, it was five nothing. I mean, every time Carrasco returns, we joke first inning, have an opener, but really he needs Zyrtec, Clarendon combined in the first inning. His allergies, his allergic reactions to first innings are out of control. And this game felt over. You know, luckily they come back, they make an entry five, one, five, two. Again, the baby Mets. And that's something Lindor talked about in his post game, you know, after baby Mets. And now it's a thing. Athlete logos and making the T-shirt of the babies. You have it in your background. If you're watching on the New York Post Sports YouTube page, watching the video, the baby Mets, that's Viento, that's Alvarez, and that's Beatty. Beatty homers is 5-2. Then it's 7-2. That's 7-3. And then Pete Alonzo. You always talk about wire guys pitching to him. Well, the base is loaded. You have to, unless you want to just walk in a run. I think it was a 3-1 count. It was either 2-1 or 3-1, I believe, or Mm -hmm. 2-0. I don't know, one of those. And and Gary Cohen had just said on the broadcast, this guy only gave up two home runs all of last year. He's given up five already, and gone. Classic Gary. And, like, the building's on fire. Seventh, He rounds first and does it backwards. Almost falls over, yeah. Almost fell over. His helmet almost flies off. I, I think the railing from getting railed by Pete Alonzo all week in the dugout. I mean, Sunday they showed the video. He's he's banging the rail, railing. I It looked like it was going to fall over. I think the amount of poundage that railing has taken from Pete humping it is, I mean, it's a hilarious gift, but... <laughs> It's this almost brought over. to you by Grinder. It's fun and like Braves fans will hate on it. I find it hilarious, but that was a moment. Seven seven Figgy, again the the week of the comeback kids. It's nine seven. The tenth, they're like, damn it, we thought we had this. You know, Robertson's not invincible. That was Drew Smith actually in the tenth on Friday, and then the kids, man. Francisco Alvarez, a huge versus Vientos. Vientos mm-hmm. makes it nine eight. Then down. Oh, and two hours oh, against whoa, whoa. Class A, there's, right? There's something, there's something I, I yeah, yeah, but I, there's something right before that that I have to address. And we talk about Buck Showalter, we talk about the X's and O's, we talk about the analytics department, we talk about all these things. Who pinch ran? Uh, Eduardo Escobar, who stole second base. And how many stolen bases does Eduardo Escobar have in a Met uniform? Uh, more than the guy who he was on for. He had he zero. He had yeah. zero. The idea behind that was. 
he knew he was a little bit faster than Bientos, but he also knew that he knows how to run bases. He knows how to get a jump. He stole that base right there, comes up clutch. He's on second base, scores that run on a ground ball that gets through to the left side. It wasn't a sure thing, but that's something that I think people would overlook is that of all people, you put in the oldest guy that you have and you're sitting there and, and Buck is looking down the line. Who can I use? You know, he's saying to him, hey, can you steal second base? And they said he was joking with him about, oh, yeah, like he had good numbers on it. He had no numbers on it, but that was the gut feel of putting a veteran guy in there in that situation and understanding he wouldn't be overwhelmed. He wouldn't be. And he took off and he stole that base. Clean. Although he might have been out with a good throw. I thought the throw beat everybody him. might be throw. out with a good throw. Jake. But that's something they knew, too. I believe the catcher didn't have the best of arms. So it made sense there. And yeah, that was an underrated decision. It was kind of like, uh, what was it? The Dave Roberts stealing second moment in the, the base hit. <laughs> Obviously not as big. But then again, oh, two Alvarez. And then it it was only fitting Francisco Lindor winning the game in the first game of the series against his former team. It was destiny and it was on the first pitch. You love small ball. You love small ball. You saw Alvarez, two strikes, put, get the ball through the infield that ties the game. Then all of a sudden Nimmo comes up, then he small ball hits the high chopper and beats it out. That's the kind of thing that you're talking about is that not striking out, not trying to be the hero and end the game with one big swing. Uh, two strikes. I got to change my approach. I got to put this ball in play and go hard. And they were able to do that. And even I, I loved um, when Lindor hits that ball. It reminded me, really reminded me for a split second of what happened with the Yankees in the World Series with the Diamondbacks, right? Mariano's going to throw a cutter. You knew that cutter. Class A has a 101-mile-an-hour cutter, throws the cutter. It's in on his hands, and he doesn't hit it on the barrel. If you watch that slow-motion instant replay, it's below the barrel. It's almost a jam shot. But it's just enough outstretched dive at second base. The ball goes into the outfield, and pandemonium hits. And that's the kind of baseball that you want to play. And you want to go down fighting if it if it they had it tied at least right. But if you go down, you go down fighting, you go down swinging. You put uh, the opportunity and you put the onus on the the defense and on the other team to make pitches to make plays. And even their closer, who one of the best closers in the game, he hasn't been the same this year. He hasn't been uh, you know 100 uh, uh, percent as effective as he was last year. But they were able to put those good at bats that makes a closer start to think, man, my stuff's not that good today. These guys keep putting the ball in play, keep hitting the ball, and they were able to end it on him. A 10-9 win Friday. Absolutely love to see. And again, the story this week is having the back of the guys who sucked. So Carrasco wasn't good. The bat said, you know what? We'll carry we'll carry us tonight. And this is something we hadn't seen until this week for the Mets. And we knew it was coming. And I try to tell the bozo losers who said, season over. It's done. This team's got no life, no heart. I said it's too early. And they showed us they can still do it. All right. Saturday's rained out. They call it before noon. Pretty fair. I know there were some people who were on the way to the game. It was the bobblehead Saturday. They move it to Sunday. And Sunday ends up being, you know, a day you could dream of. I mean, two Hall of Famers in one day. And on the other side, a Cy Young winner at night in, in Bieber. Just a great day at the ballpark. Game one, Mets are up 3 nothing. Figging You talked about it. The bullpen struggled. You know, Adovino's been struggling lately. I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, you know, Robertson, the runners are on. He gives up the, the two-run homer, and Jose Ramirez had himself a day, a two-homer, a doubleheader day. So you expect that. And I believe he had homer Friday, too. So he had a, a big weekend for Jose Ramirez. Not a big weekend from the guy the Mets traded. I mean, Ahmed Rosario looked just god-awful in the field. Jimenez wasn't even playing every day. So I laugh at the people who are like, the Guardians won that trade. I mean, 
they didn't look like major leaguers. Rosario was looked like a bum out there. I mean, he did not look good at all. And then you could argue Carrasco as part of that trade didn't look hasn't looked good either. But I don't know. I'll take Glendor gladly right now over Jimenez and Rosario. And game one Sunday, they blow it. But again, Figgy, they get their back. Marte, who by some fools is getting booed in the in the outfield by some fans and like people say, Oh, let's bench the veterans, including Marte. I'm saying just wait a second. There's literally Mets fans who are thinking, who I, I see it on Twitter, bench Marte. Maybe he needs a day or two here and there because of the injuries, but Marte showed you, I'm here. I'm good. One, he had the cat in the perfect throw to second base. And I don't know what Josh Bell was doing. I mean, that was a laser throw, and he ended up getting in a pickle. He, he went try to go back to first. And then on top of that, Marte, the two-run homer. As I'm talking to Uncle Frank, two-run check. Mets take the lead. And then Robertson said, I'm sorry about the homer. I'll close this game. That was a kind of a gutsy win that almost got away from them in game one. And it was a, another good sign, a great Max Scherzer outing. I know it ended with him a little grimacing. Hopefully he's okay. Maybe the neck was bothering him. Maybe you could argue he could have went into the seventh. Uh, like we saw later from Verlander. That's the only thing from that first game. I would have liked to see more, but clearly he might've been a little hurt, but great starting pitching and clutch hitting. And the Mets won first game. So yeah, that's that's the kind of game though that just a week ago you're saying, oh my god, they blew it again. You know, they find a way to lose the game. They're not finding ways to lose games right now. They're finding ways to come back and put themselves in positions to win games. And that's how you have those exciting eighth, ninth, tenth inning walk off type uh, situations. And that's what's making this so fun. I, I I don't want them to necessarily score twenty runs in one game. I want them to be consistent with their ability to score and then score back when once they're scored upon. Uh, I love the fight back. I love the fact that they were sick and tired, as Buck said. Oh, you know, they asked him what what's the difference. You know, what, what do you think is the, the the biggest key to the turnaround? And he goes, they're sick and tired of losing. It's not that they didn't care. It's not that they weren't trying, but they were coming out on the short end of, of these just a week ago. So they were sick and tired of losing and said, I'm done losing. Uh, let's find a way to win this game. And it doesn't have to be one guy, although Pete Alonso is great to have up in any situation when you need a home run, but it doesn't have to be one guy. It doesn't have to be the Robertson being as locked in as he has been, you know, at any point of his career, really. He had a 0.65 after, you know, before he gave up those two runs, you know, out of Vino struggling at times and then coming through at times. Those are the things that you, you have to realize they don't have enough arms in the bullpen that you're comfortable with in those big situations. They try to, you know, Dominic Leone, they keep trying to force him in there, but right now it still feels like a square peg in a round hole. You know what I mean? Where it's like, damn it. You just want to see him get through one clean inning and you're hoping for that. And that's not what you're supposed to be doing with a, a veteran guy. You know, Brooks Raley coming into that game. What were you thinking? You know, Robertson's done. Arvino's done for the day. You see Brooks Raley's the guy warming up. And when they just took the lead, now what? Right. You're, you're nervous about it. You're like, oh my God, how he's got to get through this. But I think it's a confidence boost to the whole team and the fan base that anybody can get it done at any point and not to put all your eggs in one basket. And just because it's, you know, the the $30 million guy or the guy who just got called up last week, you know, this guy's going to give it all he's got. And a guy who had a big RBI in that game who we clamored for, me and Zoo, was El Gary to come up before Mauricio. And Gary is uh, Gary, the other Gary Cohen will say Sanchez. Now you're you are Spanish, so mm-hmm. or you are Puerto Rican. Is it? <laughs> well, 
The way you said that. I don't know if I like that tone. (laughs) Do I say you're Spanish or do I say you're Puerto Rican? You speak Spanish. You're not from Spain, so I don't say you're Spanish. Correct. I say you're Puerto Rican. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Hofstra education, baby. Uh, You're Puerto Rican. Now, he says Sanchez. Is it Sanchez? Or I I say Mets fans all say Sanchez, but, you know, we sound like (laughs) a guy in Brooklyn. Like, is it Sanchez? Well, I mean, Michael K said his name for what a hundred years. It was Gary Sanchez. It was never Gary Sanchez. I like um, Sanchez. It's kind of I, fun. I don't. I don't know. Maybe he's trying to switch it up. Maybe he's putting the accent over the A. Who knows? I, I didn't see the back of his jersey to tell if he has the accent on the A. He does have the accent on the first A going this way. Th- then it is San- on the A. Then it's Sanchez. So so it is. Okay. Gary Cohen, being the astute person he is, he- where did he go? Yale, Harvard, Columbia. He went to a smart school. Columbia, I, think, I, think. I think it was Columbia. It was Columbia. Remember that picture of him with the hair? Yeah. Columbia. He, yeah. He definitely did some drugs. So so, Ga- <laughs> so Gary <laughs> Gary Cohen being the astute person that he is. And that, that was a movement though. The the I I'm not gonna get all over Michael K for that because th- there was a movement to add the accent for the uh Latin players. So that they have the accents oh, over the proper vowels. Later so in his life, the accent. Well, that's why a, a lot. Of, uh, that's why the jerseys that you've seen before maybe didn't have that on there, and, and Yankees jerseys don't have their last name on it anyway. So I like L. Gary. Yeah, that's true. The, 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 they didn't have, so now he's got the last name, and he's looking good. You know, he had a hit. He had the sack fly. Nice day from him. So Mets win, and finally game two on Sunday. Vintage. After that first inning homer, he dialed in. Justin. Verlander again struggling first inning, maybe some jitters. I'd like to see him do a bit. I mean, the Mets in general do better in the first inning, but you know, some of his outings he's been bad so far in the first inning, but he recovered so nicely. It was one of those games they couldn't hit Bieber in a vintage old school game that like my dad sees this box where he's like, Oh, very nice. Both pitches going eight innings. It's, it's like it's like when I would cut the milk cotton and go to Shea Stadium in 1978 for free with my milk cotton. Both they both go eight innings. Verlander is great, and then yeah, they get the Bobby small Brown. Ball. Bobby Brown, baby. The good Bobby Brown, not the bad Bobby Brown. You know, Lindor ties it. Another Lindor moment hours after they give away this grass-growing bobblehead. And then the sack fly in the eighth. And then Brooks Raley closes the door in the ninth. I would have liked to see a complete game, honestly, from Verlander. I don't know about you, Figgy. I think it would have been cool. He, he was great. Sunday night baseball. I get it. He was at 98 pitches. Maybe they'll wait a little bit to stretch him out. He's still kind of in that spring training phase coming back from his injury. But Rayleigh scared us a little bit, but gets the job done, gets that glove flip to first, a double play, of course, started by Lindor. I mean, Lindor was all over the place this weekend, mm-hmm. starts the game ending double play, and the Mets sweep. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was a few sweeps over. I saw he, he was in the building, so D. Mitch was there, and they completed the sweep. A vintage pitcher's duel Sunday night. Great win. Yeah, and that's why you brought in a guy like Verlander when you were losing to Grom and you knew that you needed somebody that could handle the pressure of being that top dog. And not that Scherzer couldn't, but he was going to need more help. And so, you know, who better than Justin Verlander to come in here? And, you know, I joke, and, and it's only half-hearted that I joke, but the curse of DeGrom, right? What did we see from DeGrom? He'd pitch outstanding. And they would score him one or fewer, it seemed, or two or fewer his, most of his career, right? What a difference his career could be if he had, you know, a, a powerful offense that put up five, six runs every time. But Verlander is unflappable that way, right? He's going to go out there and, and match. You know, he's 
pissed that he gave up the home run. His team's down one nothing, but he's going out there every inning, and he got better and better and better. Um, and that's what you need at the top of that rotation. I can't wait to see him giving interviews when they're playing well. You know, like every interview you see him, it's like, oh man, it sucks, right? No matter what, this sucks. And that was a week ago. Now all of a sudden he's out there and, and, you know, he's giving his all to make sure that this team can win. Yes. Could he have gone the next inning? Sure. But we're in May. And I think there's a really bad track record for pitchers in Met uniforms going complete games in May. Um, last one that I remember was when DeGrom threw those 15 K's and went complete game. And then he missed the next two weeks. You know, it just wasn't right for the next two weeks, and he hasn't been right ever since, technically. But Matt Harvey tried to go complete game against the Yankees when uh, he was first coming off that Tommy John, uh, not the Tommy John, the, the TOS surgery, and was too much too soon and wound up, you know, derailing his uh, season because he had to go on the IL. Th- those are kinds of things that, yes, there's a, a time and a place, and he could have done it, but at what cost? I, I don't know what it is these days that – Guys aren't able to bounce back, but we already know that they're trying to pace these guys. And if they could go to a six-man rotation, it would be the best for everyone involved. But you kind of look at the schedule as well, right? You want to see how many off days you have, how many rainouts did you have, how many double headers did you have. So that kind of thing is where you're going to see this thing um, start. You see where a guy who plays chess uh, and a guy who plays checkers, how are you going to map this thing out over the next few weeks? And I think Verlander, giving what he had and and finishing strong, that's where you want him to go out at. Yeah, and I was a checkers guy. I wasn't smart enough really to play chess, so I was definitely a, a checkers guy. Uh, Verlander will pitch next in Colorado, so that'll be interesting to see him pitch there, see if he could continue to play pitch well in, in a tougher environment. Um, but the Mets sweep, five in a row. We told you, you got to believe, turn this around. All it took was a win streak. They hadn't won a series in a month. They finally got a win streak. And now there's no looking back. You play the sub 500 Cubs. Now, I mean, this is a bad thing. You want to play good teams because, like you said, they step it up versus good teams. They play the Cubs and then the Rockies coming up. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, playing to the uh, to your level of your competition is never a good thing. And so you hope that the Mets are starting to rise above that and realize that this is the level of, of baseball they should be playing to. Um, that's one thing. And the other thing is, uh, you know, like we said about the fans and we said about, you know, even ourselves. Yes, you get frustrated. Yes, you understand. But if, if I got to watch Frank the Tank run around and break things and over exaggerate things. It's fun to watch. I know he does it for entertainment, but I'm worried about his blood pressure. (laughs) It's just, it's just, there was no, there's no reason to get that distraught this early when you've seen time and time again, over the past five seasons, how teams make those runs down the stretch, how teams go from nothing to the world series. Hello, Philadelphia Phillies. You got to go through these ups and downs and you rather it happen earlier rather than later, because if they did that kind of playing terrible baseball in September or uh, now I'm looking at basketball and thinking of those Celtics, if they did that, when you're, you know, you're that close to going into the finals and that's where it's different where you're like, Oh my God, what is this team doing? I want my team to to struggle early and figure it out later on and then click on all cylinders when the time is right. Tuesday, it'll be a Sanga versus Smiley. Smiley's having a good year, but the Cubs are not. The Cubs are 20 and 26. McGill versus our old friend, 
Marcus Stroman is actually having a solid year so far on Wednesday. And then another Thursday night game, it'll be Carrasco, who needs to get it going. He goes up against Jameis Tyone, who's having a terrible year. I got to drop him in fantasy. He's got an ADRA. I don't know why I even have him. He's been terrible. So the Mets go to the Windy City, and the vibes are back. The Mets are back. Enjoy Mets Cubs. We'll talk Friday. And coming up next on Amazing But True, it's former Met and Cleveland guy, not Francisco Lindor. It's Rajay Davis. And he lights one deep left field, headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here! Rajay Davis with a three-run homer in his first at bat as a Met. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're back. Amazing but true. Jake Brown and Nelson Figueroa with our special guest because he played for that Cleveland baseball team that we spanked over the weekend. And by spanked, I mean one run, three one run wins, very close games. Yeah, same thing. Uh, it's yeah, it's all or nothing. Thing. Yeah. Oh, a is a, a W's a W, Figgy. That's all. You just got to <laughs> win. But, you know, one run's all it takes. He played for the Pirates, Giants, A's, Blue Jays, Tigers, that Cleveland team, which was the Indians at the time, Red Sox, and ended his career with the Mets. He played from 2006 through 2019 in the big leagues, a one-time AL stolen base leader, and now working for Major League Baseball as the senior director of on-field operations and also doing great work in your community in Connecticut. It's a mentoring program with your local high school there in uh, New London County. Let's welcome to the program, Rajay Davis. Rajay, welcome to the show. How are you doing? What an introduction. That was nice. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll bring a megaphone with you when you're at like Sizzler and, and you need me to introduce who you are or whatever it is. We appreciate you coming on. You were in, what were you doing? You were in Stockton over the weekend, right? And uh, for the single A A's team, right? What was going on there? I was, I was, I was just doing a, a little, little player appearance, you know, taking some pictures. Obviously a lot of Oakland fans in the area played uh, with Oakland for the most long extent of my career, four years in Oakland I spent. Did you happen to watch uh, what happened with the Mets and Guardians over the weekend? You catch any of that action? Uh, very, very little. I would. I was really catching the highlights. It looks like the 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 Mets have been playing some some pretty good ball lately. Yeah, about time. We've been waiting for this. I think one of the things is that the team was too good. There were too many good players who were underperforming, and just they hit a rut. And everybody sat back and said they needed something. They needed something, and that something was give somebody else a chance. They brought up the baby Mets or one of the baby Mets. The the last remaining one is still there, Mauricio. But you brought up Vientos. The way that Hollywood is drawn up and it was almost like a movie. Nothing happening, nothing happening. And then, bam, he hits a two-run home run to tie the game. And all of a sudden, it starts to click into gear. And since that moment, it's been a totally different vibe in New York. Sometimes you get that when you get uh, young guys who are hungry hungry you know they haven't had a taste of that 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 extra check extra long check <laughs> and they get they're hungry you know um I, I can attest for myself you get you get older sometimes you get a little content and um you you don't do what you've done 
to get to that point. You stop doing it. Um, that's why I really get take tip my hat to you know those like the the LeBron Jameses and the Michael Jordans who keep the fire going. They always find something to kind of spark them to um, continue to uh, push push that pedal down. I like that. The baby Mets were hungry for that check. I know when I got my first <laughs> big pay raise and bump, I went from eating the McDonald's dollar menu to getting juicy steaks. So life changes. When you went from the, the dollar menu to the $2 menu. Cut to the extra, <laughs> to the value meal menu. I always tell him, I go, he went, he go, he got six nuggets and threw three out the window just because he could. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hate when you get a four piece, they only give you three. Anyways, uh, there he goes. <laughs> Rajay Davis with us. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Rajay 11 Davis. Take us back to coming to the Mets. You, you had such a short stint with the Mets, but you did grow up, right? A Mets fan in Connecticut. So one, that must've been cool Two, take us through the story. It was like a two hour Uber from Pennsylvania to New York. You meet the manager in the fifth inning. You had a pinch hit Omer in the eighth. I mean, it captured, you know, all the media, because it's a surreal story that doesn't happen. Can you take us through that day and also how special it was uh, kind of playing for the team that you grew up rooting for? My first game I ever went to in the major leagues was the Mets. And I saw Daryl Strawberry hit a home run. And then I saw Daryl Boston hit back-to-back home runs with Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry wore number 18. Um, in spring training that year, in 2019, I had number 11. So I was expecting to come up there and get number 11. And so, you know, when I'm I'm in the batting cages at five o'clock, manager comes in. It's five o'clock Eastern time. Mets are home. He says, "Hey, you going to the to the big leagues?" Now we in Lehigh Valley. It's about three hours away. Okay, I still got a shower. I still got to go back to the hotel, pick up all my stuff, and make that trip back to New York City Field. And um, next thing you know, I'm I'm getting I'm arriving in the third inning of the Mets against the Nash Nationals that game. I I I uh, pr- proceed to get dressed. Uh, don't address the manager. And then I remember about the fifth inning. Oh, I better say something to him. Let him know that I'm that I'm here. <laughs> so I run out there, and you know, I I I I was with Mickey when we went to the 2016. Uh, World Series. He was our pitching coach with Cleveland at the time. And so I just, you know, uh, let him know I was there and went back to the cage, get ready for perhaps a pinch hit that would come to pass in the, what was the bottom of the eighth against uh, Doolittle. How much was that Uber? Do you know from Lehigh Valley to Queens? What was like 300 bucks? Do you remember? It was, it was, it was, it was about that. It's between two and 300 bucks to get a, to get a Uber from there. Do you got to expense that? Do you get like the corporate card? How, how does that work? Cause you just got it to the team. It took a while work? to get it back to me, but eventually I got it back. <laughs> and then your first at bat team. I mean, did you have goosebumps after that moment? I mean, it wasn't a walk-off. It was, you know, some insurance runs. It was three, one made it six to one. Um, but what was the aftermath of that moment that night, the calls, the texts, what, what happened? I mean, it was, it was, it was bananas because I mean, this is my first at bat. This is my first look, you know, when you get, when you're comfortable in the stadium is different. When you're first getting there, you're getting there and turning. Yeah. I didn't have a chance to, you know, pick up the, the background and, in you know, batting practice, that's where a lot of times you can, you know, uh, you can see the background and see how big it is. It's been a while. I had, been a while for me since playing there as a visitor, as a visiting ball, um, ball club coming in. 
but it's just, you know, to go up there and produce right away. That's always what you want to do, you know, because you one day you're watching the highlights of the MLB players. The next day you're in the highlights. Of the, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you get all those calls from all the guys that, that they were in Syracuse. They're like, hey, oh my gosh. <laughs> but that was, that was amazing. That was awesome. Who do you affiliate yourself most with Rajay? Like you, you said, you talked about the A's, but like, the, everyone knows you for that World Series homer in Game Seven off Chapman to tie the game. That was the big, I would say, the big moment. Uh, game Seven World Series homer is big. Obviously, the Cubs end up winning. But do you affiliate yourself with Cleveland? You know, New York, Oakland. You, do you have an affiliation? It depends where the fans are at. Where where we at? <laughs> we I've had a bunch of moments with each uh, team. You know, uh, with Oakland. Um, even going, well, Oakland, um, you know, had a 50, uh, 50, you know, stolen base season with them. That was the most of my career. Um, also had a, you know, a, a walk-off to, to, um, walk-off home run to get, um, Bob Melvin, his, was it one, was it fifth, 1,000 career 1,000 probably. Yeah. Yeah. 1,000 career win. And then when you go over to Toronto, when I was in Toronto, I had that catch off the wall where I had to jump over the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get back, you know, that's a 10-foot wall that you you bring back. Uh, and and then um with Detroit, I remember the the walk-off grand slam that a lot of the fans remember um against against the former age, right? Against the my former team uh, against Dulo. Um so it was own Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> He he didn't know all he had to do is throw me basketball. So he had to shut me down. <laughs> and then obviously with Cleveland was the big, big um, you know, World Series moment that everyone um remembers where they were that was watching that game, um, when when what where they were, what what was happening. And um I get those stories a lot from A to Z. I'm talking from the Hall of Fame players to just the average fan. Yeah, well, I mean, what what did that feel like as soon as you made that connection? You know, the the all old cliche is you don't even feel it come off the bat. What was that moment like as soon as you let that swing off and you realize I got him? You know what? It was it was almost un, it was unbelievable that the fact that I was in that situation. Unbelievable the fact that I actually hit that ball <laughs> yeah, because you know I I was expecting to do some some damage, but. But to do it in that situation, that pressure situation is another thing, right? So it was so, um, I was just so uh, ecstatic and and so just overwhelmed with excitement and joy and, and you know, everything that is positive um, that you could possibly have. The emotions were overflowing. Um, it, was, it was really hard to explain because I don't, remember ever just kind of pumping my chest, you know, a couple of times throughout the bases because, because of something like that. So you Rajay had two years uh, in Cleveland playing with Lindor and Kipnis. And I don't know if you've seen the news recently where uh, Kipnis has said the Mets don't really have a true leader on this team. Do you have any reaction to those comments? Like, did you find Lindor to be kind of a leader when you were in Cleveland? I mean, he was a little younger then. So I don't know if he was the vet to speak up, but uh, Kipnis had some fire word and, and Mrs. Lindor came out swinging with a great tweet re- replying to that. So uh, I don't know if you saw that, but curious oh, to see your reaction. Uh, this is the other day. She tweeted that, I believe, Friday. 
and Kipnis said this about a week ago, and Lindor basically said he had no comments. So I was curious if you had any comments on that situation. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. You know, um, Lindor was young, you know, but he was a very good le- listener. He was a very good learner. You know, he was showing with his actions. He was playing. He was performing well. Right. And that's what he was doing. He was learning a lot, though, from myself. And um, we had Napoli out there just kind of helping those guys and and and, and kind of um, letting them know that, the, hey, you are the next guy up. You, you, you're you him. You know, everybody's watching you. Um, so, you know, make, make sure you 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 just make sure that 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 you pay attention to what you do. Um, because it's going to affect other guys. Was Kipnis a leader? Was Kipnis a leader on those teams? Did, was he a veteran in the, in when the you club? you say leader, what do you mean? I don't know. A guy who speaks up, who if you're on a losing streak, will talk to the guys, mentor the guys, because he made it sound like, you know, he was a leader and Lindor now is not. Lindor, it's at a different point of his career. That's why I think Mets fans kind of took offense, because now you look at Lindor as kind of a veteran in this Mets clubhouse. So for him to say that kind of felt like there was something personal going on there. Well, I think Kipnis would speak up. We had we had we had several guys that would speak up. Um, we had a veteran crew. We had we had some guys who had some playoff experience going in, and um, we didn't have them all at the end, like Juan Rube and Marlon Bird. But we had Coco come in. You know, we had a Miller come in, and we we had some key key guys come in that took care of business. And obviously, we had Kluber, who's a silent leader. Right. He, he was out there, you know, just dominating on that on that you know, as a starter front. You know, we have some some dominating um, starting pitcher. Um, I, I think I, I think that year our, our number three guy was an all star, you know, Sal, Salzar. So we, we had we had some we had some guys who was going out there and handling business. I, I wouldn't say we had just one guy that was just um, um, I am him. You know, I think we had a bunch of guys who were who are um, filling their roles and playing their roles to, to, you know, perfection. And and that's what made our team so good that each, each individual was doing well at their role. Yeah. And again, I, people say things and people, you know, things can get stretched or misconstrued. I understand that through the media, but you got to obviously realize it was a different time for Lindor. Lindor is enjoying being the young cat on the team like that. And, and, and he wasn't just along for the ride. This guy was a major catalyst for that team, both defensively and offensively. I just don't know why he would say that now when Lindor is deep in his career, he's got a 10 year, 11 year, $340 million contract. It just sounded like there was something. Per- I mean, they clearly weren't out getting beers on a Friday night after a victory in Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland closes at 11 p.m. at 12 p.m. anyway, but uh, midnight. But I think after after a while, you kind of forget the game a little bit. You know, when you when you're not playing anymore, sometimes you forget how hard the game is. You forget how the 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 day to day grind of to stay on top is is very difficult. Um, to keep doing it every single year. And 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 um, putting up those, you know, top ten numbers every year—that's very difficult, you know. And 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 your the, 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 the dynamics of each individual player changes. You know, guys get married, guys have kids, have families, and you're making that adjustment along the way. But you've never been in that situation as well. So now you have time that you have to share with your family, where before. You didn't have to, right? So these are dynamics that that 
just change uh, individual. They change the mindset. They change the uh, a, a lot of times, you know, it's and it's very difficult to to navigate um, through those those times. Yeah. Speaking of navigating through tough times, you know, talk a little bit about the mentoring program that you do uh, with your former high school. Yeah, so I, de- I deal with the New London High School um, football team right now. I'm working with uh, our, our, my local church, Miracle Temple, and the our, our pastor, uh, Larry DeLong, who we um, partnered with uh, a call to men.org, which is an organization that MLB works with. They work with the NBA, work with NFL, and a few other major um, sports. But they deal with domestic violence and sexual assault and the the real issues of manhood and masculinity. So in just 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 kind of just talking through issues on how how you know men treat women and you know how how should we treat them and you know those kinds of things, those real issues that kind of get swept under the rug um, a lot, you know, with our society and our society just kind of just kind of talks um, differently about it and and kind of guides us as as males in a, in a certain direction. I want to close with this. Tell us the, what you're doing with MLB, Senior Director of On-Field Operations. Or were you one of the guys uh, with the pitch clock? Games are going quick. It's good on TV, although when I'm at the game, it's almost too quick. Time I get in my seat, it's like top of the fifth games halfway over. It's it's good. There's good things about it, bad things. Overall, I think it's gotten positive reviews, but tell us what you think about the rules and what you're doing with Major League Baseball. Well, I think um, obviously with the with the results of the rules, I think the fans are happy. Um, the game is speed sped up. You know, there's more action and less time and it's more runs scored. So we, I think uh, Major League Baseball is happy with what what um, the results that we've, we've gotten. And for me, I am a part of, um, just kind of getting the feedback on, on you know, from the players, from the coach's perspective, you know, what is working, what is not working, what 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 things do they think we can change, and how can we make this game better um, after imp- implementation of these rules, and what do they see that um, we don't see here in office? You're doing a great job in your community and with Major League Baseball as a senior director of on-field operations, um, and we appreciate you, Rajay Davis, for coming on Amazing But True. Hope to do it again. Thanks for having me, guys. Edwin's around a lot. He's got something different with his hair, which makes me want. Did I not notice it last year? All right, Figgy. Great stuff there from Rajay Davis. One of my favorites. Love the story. Nice guy from Connecticut, like me, living in Connecticut. Um, a hard story not to like. So thanks to Rajay Davis for joining us as that says goodnight to episode 147 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Well, as always, thanks to you, Jake and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. I love when Andrew Hartz produces the show. Make sure to follow us on at Amazing But True on Twitter, all our different handles, also the YouTube page. But make sure you uh, check us out on YouTube. We'll have video of these episodes at Jake Apple. Brown Radio, Apple. They know this already. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, just Google Amazing But True and see what comes up. Not Amazing But Rue, but Amazing But True. And, and see not what comes Amazon up. But True either, because you, <laughs> you might get other results too. I guess that might be a movie, Amazon But True. It that's the, like uh, autocorrect, the autocorrect version of our podcast. Yeah, make sure your autocorrect is often off. To, <laughs> I can't even say all. <laughs> 
it's been a long day. It's been a long week. See, players do this 162 times. I did six games in five days, and I could barely form a sentence. Like, it's unbelievable how tiring it is. Uh, a lot of ballpark food and drinks, but yeah, find us wherever you, you get podcasts. Figgy, I met Uncle Frank, a nice guy over the weekend. The guy is a legend there at City Field. He's showing me pictures of all these players and everything. So shout out to Uncle Frank. Nice guy. The older generation, you, you know, even if it's in the middle of rally, you're going to listen. You're not going to say, Frank, Marte's up, two-run homer, bang. Uh, you're going to listen. And, you know, you learn from the the wiser, older. And I forgot to say on Thursday's show, because everyone really realized, because you keep it low-key, but happy birthday. You be, you turned 49 years old on Thursday. Dude, I'm not six. We are not running around. It's my birthday. No, I, I, that's me. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, is you. It's that, my birthday. That, <laughs> <laughs> that, card. Is, that is you. No, yeah, it was a um, fun, fun birthday. I, you know, got to uh, work with Malusis. His birthday is actually May 17th. So back-to-back days, they gave us a cake for both of us. And uh, just, you know, watching fun Met games is, is also uh, a way to celebrate your birthday. 49, what do you do? Do you play bingo? What do you do? <laughs> At 49, you work, you work some more, and then you get home and you uh, order in. You don't even want to go out. I guess I'm no saving No Benny up. Hanna birthday dinner? Come on, Save, that's a Jake I'm, special. I'm, I'm saving up uh, for my 50th. That's what I'm saving up for. Yeah, well, congrats. You'll get your AARP benefits in the mail, I believe, next yeah, year. Yeah, like three weeks like three weeks ahead of time, too, just to rub it in. It's awful. 50 is the big one. I expect to be invited to your 50th birthday party, and it better be a shenanigans extraordinaire. So your birthday is what, May 19th or 18th? 18th. May 18th. All right. What does that make you? Is that a Aries? I mean, are we on a dating app? Has this become a dating app all of a sudden? Just curious if your sign. It could mean it could say a lot about you. <laughs> Just curious. What's your name? What's your sign? You know, Taurus. 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 Ah, you know what they say about Taurus. Are, no. What did I say? Please. They are fifth starters and middle relievers. <laughs> <laughs> As Hart says, we have gone off the rails. Let's close. <laughs> Let's go to Chicago, the windy city. This show is windily off the rails. But uh, Mets play the Cubs. We'll be back Thursday uh, night, actually Friday morning, because it is a rare third game of the series in Chicago. That's a night game. It's 3, 7, 40 p.m. games. So I'll have a short episode Friday morning. You'll be back next Monday after the series in Colorado against the Rockies. And it's Memorial Day next Monday. You'll be back. And the Mets are off on Memorial Day, which is bizarre. Like, they always play on Memorial Day. Baseball Memorial Day. That's one day I say, all right, get a hot dog at the ballpark. Other days, lobster roll, steak sandwich. Memorial Day, you could do your American civil duty and get a hot dog and a beer. But uh, there'll be no game. We'll end this show of Amazing But True like we always do. Three, two, one. Let's Let's go, go Mets. We're great. Pete humping it.